Hey folks, welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. It is Monday, September 16th. The Clemson Tigers are 3-0 after a big win in Syracuse over the weekend. I'm hanging by a thread after a trip to Syracuse preceded by Montreal. And life is good, if not a bit sluggish today. Ben and Cody here with you to recap the game that was over the weekend. Um, Cody, I'll tell you about my trip here in a little bit, but uh, I assume you were having a thrilling time watching it in the Burbs. How was game day out there? And that was, it was great. Uh, it probably was no carry dome experience. You know, I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty much just putting up window blinds and curtains and things like that. So, you know, flipping to you, how was Syracuse? Um, Syracuse was awesome. Um, the entire trip was a really good time. Um, I started off, ended up going back home the weekend before that during the Texas A&M game to meet some buddies uh, from uh, the architecture program that I went to school with. We did a little trip up to North Carolina, watched the game up there and a uh, house by the lake, uh, saw my folks, and then headed up to Montreal. Uh, met our buddies Graham, Chris, and Vince out there, um, and we had a great time. So we did Montreal, which is a beautiful city. Um, I was thoroughly impressed by it. Uh, they do have terrible beer, uh, but other than that, I would encourage everybody to go. Um, we then took a four-hour, about four-hour drive, a little over four hours, uh, down to Syracuse on Friday prior to the game, and. Man, uh, it was pretty awesome. Um, the entire experience, it's really cool. I've been doing this away game trip for the last three years with Graham and then uh, Moose and Vince joined us this time. Um, but just cool seeing another college campus, experience another college game day atmosphere um, that's specifically not in the South. Our first two trips have been Louisville and A&M, so it's more or less the South there. Um, but yeah, it was an awesome time all around. So did you get the sense that they had like a, an actual tailgate scene or was it just manufactured because Clemson was in town? It kind of like, you know, when you look at little John, when Duke showed up, you know, back in the 2000s and 2010s, was it like extra rowdy because Clemson was there or did they have like this built in infrastructure already in place? Um, I, I think it probably was extra rowdy. It was, and they mentioned it on the, um, well, they were mentioning it leading up to the game that it was their first sellout since 1998. Coincidentally enough, uh, T. Martin, Amari's dad, was the uh, quarterback for Tennessee in that game. Um, so that was an interesting little nugget there. But uh, there was a lot of buzz and excitement around town. It was their homecoming weekends, and I think that's no coincidence as well, um, as opposed to Clemson maybe where we schedule those weaker opponents for, for homecoming. I can see a team like Syracuse making it on the the, the weekend of the biggest game of the year um, just to stir up as much excitement as possible um, for the most part people were cool um, we did get a lot of f clemsons it, it's the north you know it's not like, like so you, you were in a college station last year and then you right. said in louisville the year before 
they're like very friendly people still the south very much even though it's it's louisville and, um, and I, I will say this though i will say that despite all the f clemson's that we got most people followed that up um if you were just you know, smiled, throw throw up a number one finger, and there's not really much they can say about that. But you get into chatting with people, and for the most part, they were all very respectful of, of Clemson and our team. Uh, my go-to line with everybody I met to endear myself to them um, was that I love Dino Babers, and that's not a lie. Um, and they're all really terrified of him leaving. Yeah, and they, as as well, they should be. And, you know, yep. Dungey is another guy. Like he, I, I shook his I hand. I saw him there and shook his hand. Really? Yeah. Cool guy. I mean, he's like just his, his fight the last few years, you have a little bit of admiration for that. And uh, I don't know. It's not like, uh, like you've seen a few little ACC teams like NC state that have come up and they've tried to, they, they've been head hunting and they play dirty. Syracuse has been, I mean, a worthy adversary. I mean, if you can call them and so far as you can call them an adversary, but I don't know. And now they're fans. That's a whole different story. So, well, they're one of the few teams to beat us within the last uh, few years. So, right there's that, and they not only that they played us uh, really close last year, albeit with Trevor Lawrence going down. Uh, but I mean, we gotta have somebody in the ACC because there's not a lot to choose from, especially if uh, teams like Florida State and Louisville are down, um, and really everybody else almost. But uh, I think after we saw what happened with them against Maryland, we were less concerned about this game as. Um, as we were a couple weeks ago and at the beginning of the season, thinking that, man, if we lose this one, that they'd have to lose two games uh, for us to get into the ACC championship game. Um, but even had we lost on Saturday night, I could easily see them winning two games. They're just not a great football team right now. Yeah, and, and in fairness, you know, what, what you saw against Maryland, I think it was the first thing Kirby said on the broadcast. He's like, it's going to be a different team. And, you know, the, the transited property group uh, who – who will say, well, your team lost to Maryland, and then they, you know, they played Clemson fairly tough for a half. I mean, all that's out the window. Like it was a different Syracuse team, a different atmosphere, and you can speak to that. I think, yeah, well, all those things play play a factor. Yeah, I mean, this was. I mean, it's cliche to say it, but their Super Bowl, right? I mean, obviously, I think that they intend to have a lot more to play for this year than just one game. But I mean, this is the again first sellout since 1998. It's been. What, 20 years? That's that's amazing to me. And it's not a big place. Like the Dome is only, what, 50, 55,000 people? So kind of surprised in that time. And was, was Donovan McNabb the quarterback back then, or was he earlier? He must have been earlier in the 90s. Um, so, But just really, again, surprised by that sellout thing. Um, the last thing I'll touch on is the Dome. Um, you know, everybody's always saying, Syracuse fans are always claiming how hot it is in there and how loud it is. It is a loud place. It's a dome, so that's not surprising. The heat, though, I don't know that that's necessarily something to be proud about. Um, very hot and muggy in there. It felt a lot like um, our hotel room uh, the morning that we left after three days of hanging out in Syracuse. So I'm not saying that uh, that's necessarily something that I would brag about. Um, not to mention Carrier Dome, new AC. So whatever, the team got over it. Everybody did fine. No cramping up in this game. Um, and the Tigers win. Yeah, I mean, completely different outcome and really game altogether than the last couple of years, particularly the last time we went there. Um, so yeah, that, you know, nice trip. You, you tuck in Montreal. That, that's that's necessary. You can't spend three or four days in Syracuse from what I understand. Nope. Um, and like, here's the thing. Next year is Notre Dame, 
and I believe that's in November. Oddly, it's not. It's not at the beginning of the year. So that's right. going to be. That's going to be a nice. You know, you're making some nice trips. Uh, and then I guess LSU. Wait a minute. Is it LSU that's after? That's LSU is like in the mid twenties. I want to say. Um, we did look at the schedule. So yeah, you mentioned uh, Notre Dame. We'll go to Chicago next year, and then then go into Notre Dame for that. Um, the year following that, we were looking at their schedule. I think that's the year we have Wyoming on the schedule um, that we had to, to put in there to fill a hole. I think we have Wyoming and UConn. Um, but those are at home, so not a, another good out-of-conference game uh, to go to. But we thought uh, if the game versus Pitt is in Pittsburgh, that would be a really fun one to go to. Sure, yeah. Maybe you throw in an NFL game if you're, if you're so lucky. Um, yeah, absolutely. But with the Notre Dame game, like that's that's one I'm going to go to. I know you, you'll go as well. And then it'll be Chicago like the night before. So if, if any of our listeners want to meet us, like go ahead and put it on your calendar. That's like you have a year and some change in it uh, in advance uh, notice. So that's the podcast will be there. At least at least two of us, two of the four. It'll be four of the four. That's a big one. I think we have a big crowd next year. Okay, Cody. Well, enough chit chat. Let's talk football. So for this game overall, kind of like the Texas A&U game, it stayed close for a while, but I always felt like we had it in hand, much like the Texas A&U game. The defense only gave up 15 rushing yards on the day, and they were bringing pressure all day long. It just didn't seem like the Syracuse offense could get anything going. So it didn't really matter how much our offense might have sputtered a little bit. You just really felt like the, the game was always in hand. Yeah, so now this is three, I'm sorry, make that four games in a row. God, I can probably keep going back. Um, where Brent Venables has made the the opposing quarterback look really, really bad. And you could say, like, your baseline is your guy, um, Tobias from, or not Tobias, um, Oliver. Anyhow, so you go, you go with Oliver. You set, you set your baseline there. Um, you're like, well, he's probably not very good. And, but you use Mond and you throw in into a tug of Aloha. And you're like, no, maybe he's making some decent quarterbacks look pretty bad. Um, but, you know, Venables is really taking it up a notch because DeVito was so bad in this game. Yeah, there's, there was never any doubt. It, you had to feel pretty confident. Yeah, and we've already seen it out of the defense, um, specifically in that Texas A&MU game. We were all impressed out of what came of the Georgia Tech game. You have to take that with a bit of a grain of salt just because they're transitioning from that triple option offense that they have been running for so long. But then you see them coming out and, and do it against Texas A&M, a team that had some success last year um, against the, the defense and specifically the secondary. But, um, you know, Brent Fittables did it again, and he showed why he's the best coordinator in college football. Yeah, we, and we talked about it last episode, and you can chime in on this. But this defense, it's not, it doesn't have the stacked talent at the, at the line of scrimmage, but it is so much – I would say it's more fun to watch, uh, watching guys like Isaiah Simmons – uh, Tanner Muse, Kevon Wallace, who seems to play is playing a lot faster this year. It seems these guys just making plays in the open field. Skowski's a little bit faster a linebacker than we've had in previous years. It's it's really fun, and now you're getting Brennables doing some things. Like I always like to watch what he does at the line of scrimmage and, and sending blitzes. Is he going to pull a you know a defensive end into into coverage and and go you know rush three? Always fun to watch that. It's never been more fun than what I've seen uh, over the first three games of this season. Well, we're seeing something different this year, which um, obviously 
um, keeps things interesting for us having to dissect and something that we haven't seen before from Venables. I'll point out another thing that's changed uh, the substitution pattern on defense from last year. Last year, we would bring the second team guys in early in the game. But if an opposing offense kind of past the 50, maybe the 40, you'd see those first team guys start to come back in because they were the, uh, they had the seniority there. Those are the guys you trust this year. It's a lot different. They're really testing out a bunch of different guys. Um, there's not a lot of veteran press, uh, presence, especially across the defensive line and in the linebacker corps. So you're seeing, seeing even second team guys, uh, being there on goal line stands early on the game and stuff like that. So you're seeing a much more, uh, much more variety in those mixes, uh, uh, no matter where the opposing offense is on the field, as opposed to what we saw last year. I think so. And if you go back to like 2015 or 2016, we were trying to get depth in the program, but we weren't quite there yet. Now the depth really is there. The top in talent, at least on the defense, might not be quite what it was last year, but the, the depth, you're seeing it. You're seeing it almost at, at most position groups, I'll say. I mean, as you said, it's, it's a little bit out of necessity because you got you, you to get those defensive tackles and some of those defensive ends reps. Right. And so whereas we expected coming into the season that the offense may be ter- uh, carrying the defense, a bit surprising that it's the opposite of that. But um, I think we can all have confidence that the offense is going to continue to improve. Hell, they put up 41 points in this game. Um, and we haven't really had a, a, a tough close test yes yes we didn't really pull away from texas a&m they did score that touchdown late and that game was never really in question um i mean but even in this one you know syracuse could have made it uh what 17 to 13 after trevor lost second interception there um the defense responded with another goal line stand so that game could have could have been close maybe that was his, was that his first mt no it was his, yeah it was after the first int um they could have pulled it close but then goodrich had that interception on the very next play right well like you said it, it never felt like it was like Clemson was always in control but you could say if you just by looking at the the box score you would think that A&M played Clemson a lot closer but I, I honestly feel like Syracuse played Clemson closer than than Texas A&M yeah and you're right like they had they were they were right there at the goal line and our, our defense just really stepped up Venables pulled out so- his magic so do you think, you know, taking a step back here, do you think we just got through the two biggest tests of our regular season? Yes, definitively, yes. Uh, in North Carolina, it might be a little bit better than what we originally thought. But yeah, I think, I think it's, and, and Louisville might be better than we were last year, but I mean, yeah, toughest test. Actually, we can save this for the last, last segment. South Carolina, Helensky. Yep. yep. I watched all of that game. He's better than Bentley. He's he's a serious talent. He's not a he's not a scrappy. You know he he was highly touted. He's going to be good. So maybe that we'll see how that team unfolds, like how they progress over the over the course of the season. But right now, I have to think both of those games um, may be bigger tests than what we'll find in Columbia. That's that as 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 I said, that's subject to change. Yeah, and uh, another positive, I guess, for Helinski is that is is that how we're pronouncing it, Helinski? Sure. Helinski. Um, it's not Helsinki. Helinski. Um, he didn't kick anything after the game that he wasn't supposed to. So um, good news for South Carolina there. He lives to, to play another day. Cody, why don't we uh, keep with this defense here? 
Um, they're clearly the stars of the game. And what it's really looking like now is the defense has reloaded and is not rebuilding more than anything else. I agreed. I, I think it's that. I think it's Venables having, for the first time, I, I was thinking through this, I would say just a veteran-laden and, and also talented secondary that he can trust. He can... He, he always likes taking risks, and it's really easy to take those risks when your front four are all you know first rounders or close to it. But man, when you can take risk on all levels of the defense, like he can really do some things. And I, I don't think he ever had the trust in 15, 16 on the back end, even though he had some really you know Swiss Army knives of, of safeties and, and cornerbacks. I think he's really able to. You're, he's able to pull out all of the the tricks in his arsenal, and I. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's just it's a it's not only fun it it is trending to be a top five defense, and that blows my mind. Yeah, I mean, what a masterful job! You know, seventh in scoring defense right now, giving up ten points a game, seventh in yards per play, fourteenth in tackles for loss. So picking right up where they left off from last year, but really in a different manner. You meant you mentioned. Uh, um, all the different pressures that they're bringing and being able to trust that secondary. I think that's a big part of it. Um, I think you've also got, though we've lost experience, you have more speed from your middle and, and, and weak side linebackers in Skalski and Chad Smith. Their closing speed has been pretty amazing. They overrun some tackles sometimes, but that's one thing that I've noticed is a big difference in last year. And the tackling uh, did look a lot better this game. Poor tackling by the linebackers we were brought that up as possibly being a concern maybe it looks like it's an anomaly now because I thought they did a lot better in this game I mentioned their closing speed and just overall as a defense they're not really giving up the big play even if somebody gets into that second level and gets out of space out in space they really swarm on you yeah I mean it's it's a it's a team effort I think I mean you're the busts aren't a thing but also I think you have two really good cornerbacks that we've seen that are that are I won't say lockdown, um, but pretty darn close. And then Mario Goodrich emerges in this one, gives you like another third guy you, you feel really comfortable with as they bring along Booth. I think throughout the year, like they they have it. They, I mean, really, like all across the defense. I mean, if if there's some weak spots in the defense, they might actually be on the line right now. Which is again, that's that's not the typical Clemson brand of football, or hasn't been over the last five years. Yeah, and they are shuffling a lot of guys in and out there across the line, um, so specifically a defensive end where five guys are playing in the rotation. Um, but, yeah, I, I just think overall, um, coming out of that South Carolina game last year, I know we were a little concerned um, about the, the back half of the defense, but feeling a lot better about them this year. Um, Kendrick... With Kendrick going down early on with the back spasms, really great to see, as you mentioned, Goodrich get in there. He had that one big interception, and he also had great coverage on a ball in the corner of the end zone on a third down stop um, that resulted in Q's setting up for their first field goal. So it wasn't just that interception. He made a lot of really good plays in this game. That was great to see for him. Yeah, and it, it's kind of like the coverage sack. You, you, you. These are some unsung heroes, and like we've had plenty of these. Like Trayvon Mullen, like was he even on the team last year? Uh, Mackenzie Alexander, you don't, you didn't hear much from him for like two years. Uh, Tankersley went into hiding for his whole junior, I think, or his senior, excuse me. So like, I mean, they just they kind of you kind of forget about him. You forget they have an All American AJ Terrell exactly in the secondary, but like, you know, and he'll be off probably in the first second round in the in this NFL draft. So. And and then hopefully Kendrick shortly after. So yeah, it's it's a again it's a total team effort. And 
the talent, the talent is uh, at the cornerback position. It's as good as it's ever been. And, and there's depth. They're starting to load it in. Mike Reed has done a, a great, great job there. Yeah. And again, not lost in all of this is the assistant coaches as well and what they've been able to do. So uh, kudos to them. Um, but let's, let's talk about Venables and his formations here. He's really switching up this year. Um, this is, you know, I think the third game that we've seen the three man front, uh, a lot of three, three, five looks getting Nolan Turner on the field a lot with Musa Wallace, Nolan Turner, uh, Nolan Turner has played really well in all aspects of the game. Um, again, disguising his blitzes. So the master at work there and again, showing why he's the best off uh, defensive coordinator in the country. And I think he could be lining himself up for another Broyles award this year, based on what we've seen so far. I think so. I think so. And uh, again, I mean, what he did against, he, he put to, took Isaiah Simmons, um, back into a safety role, kind of a, a plan center field against AM. I think he, he's going to, I think you're going to see him more at the line of scrimmage. That's going to be the theme. But the fact that now that's on film and an opposing quarterback and opposing offensive coordinator have to go through that, like how are they going to use Kavon Wallace and Isaiah Simmons and Tanner Muse when, when you see them at the line of scrimmage that they have seven in the box? What's going to happen next? Um, they, they're doing a lot of blindside blitzes, which is, you know, it's, that's not uncommon for Venables. Um, and of course, AB got blitzes from your middle and, and outside linebackers. Like, there, there's just so much on film now. It's kind of crazy how we always complain about Elliott and uh, the OCs for not putting more on film, whereas Venables puts it all out there. And now, I mean, I don't know which strategy is best. I, I know from an entertainment value standpoint and, and a Clemson fandom standpoint, I know which one I like watching the best. And then, and, you know, to, to top it all off, you got all these red zone, the great red zone defense and the goal line stops. Um, and we had four stops inside the red zone in this game, two at the goal line. Um, you know, the one coming after the interception, um, which was huge. That's not the first time they've done that this year. They did it against Texas a and uh, This time it wasn't Trevor Lawrence. It was ETN that tracked the guy down. But um, the fact that this team is, again, just picking right up where they were left off from last year. Last year, nobody could penetrate this defensive line and this defensive front went at the goal line and they're not having a lot uh, more success this year with all these young players on the field. Um, so that's been another great thing to see. I'm just thoroughly impressed um, from top to bottom what this entire defense uh, and the coaching staff have done. And if, if this is not, um, if this is not just kind of uh, fool's gold here that we're looking at, and this is the real deal and, teams getting tape on these three-man fronts isn't going to change things, then we we don't need to worry about our offense because we're going to be just fine. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it'll be interesting as we watch A&M because I think that's who you're – that becomes kind of your your transitive benchmark, if you will. Right. Because uh, you want to see how they do against other elite um, S-type defenses. So um, it'll it'll be interesting, but man, we we stymied them. Like it, we made, I think we embarrassed Mon a little bit. And yeah, the, it, the defense has been they've been great. One thing I wanted to, to point out because no one in Clemson circles has covered this. There's a guy named Tyler Davis that's doing a really good job. Um, I'm just kidding. I, I know everyone's writing about him, but he like I think we mentioned like there's about three elite players on the defense that are like all American level: uh, Thomas, Simmons, and Terrell. Like he's as a true freshman, he's really, really good. Like already all conference good, I think. Yeah. Did you see that tackle that he had coming uh, from the nose guard position on a screen to the outside in the second half? Like his closing speed on that um, on Mo Neal was incredible for a guy that big. 
Yeah, he no, it's it, he moves really well. Uh, he penetrates. He has a lot of strength. He seems to pick. He's he's picked up the system really fast. There doesn't seem to be any hesitancy. Like it's it's super super impressive. And I whatever his ceiling is, like he's he's probably cl- like closer to it than most freshmen will ever ever sniff. He's he's really good at a, at an early age. And so another guy I wanted to point out here was KJ Henry. Um, I, I think it's really click from him seeing him in this game. He was maybe a little tentative in that Georgia Tech game, uh, but man, was he great here. Um, and one thing that he did that I think may have gone unnoticed by a lot of people, maybe even Clemson fans, but at the end of one of his sacks, uh, he and Skalski uh, combined for a sack. He did the uh, uh, a Clemson Tiger needs no introduction pose. Did you see that? I did not. I did not see it. Yeah, so that was great. I love it. Kid knows the history. Um, and he's also becoming a really good player. He's good. Yeah, he, he's, him and Maskell are two big bodies, and I think they have a bright future. Um, and it, I mean, they're, they're super young, um, both just second year, and I guess, I guess both freshmen because they redshirted. So, yeah, huge, huge upside there. And, um, yeah, I mean, XT is probably your – the biggest game changer on the, on the defense, but every, every one of those guys are getting to a point where I think they can be, be give a plus grade on a week to week basis. Well, he may be the biggest game changer on the defensive line, but I'd, I'd still go with Isaiah Simmons on the defense as a whole. Sure. Sure. And, and I can't remember if it was quacking tiger, but Davis might be the most important player on the yeah. whole defense. And it's, it's kind of like some unusual suspects that like come in. If we would have gone, if we had said in spring, ball like our our most valuable player will be tyler davis i don't think a lot of people would have been in agreement there and that's still you know we simmons has a has a strong case for that too based on what you've seen some from simmons so far you know i had him as a dark horse first round draft pick if he did uh well going into the nfl draft next year he could be looking at top 15 if he continues this up could be and and like let's be clear he could he could be the number one pick and, or he could be the, the number one pick of the third round. Um, but that doesn't necessarily speak to how great he's playing at Clemson because he's starting to really hit his stride and, and master eventable system. So he could be the, one of the best, be, best defensive players in the nation. And that doesn't, you know, regardless of how he projects in the NFL draft, but I think you are right. Like just raw physical talent four three four four speed. Yeah. He, he's going to make a case for the, for the first round, if not the top half of the first round. Yeah, and it's great to see, too. We, we worried about the leadership coming into this year, but kind of natural leaders um, emerged. Um, he's probably not as vocal as uh, Tanner Muse is, but, you know, we were lacking on veteran experience this year. So for guys like that and A.J. Terrell um, and even the linebackers, you know, Skalski and Smith have been here a while and they may have not played that much, but um, I think you're starting to see that leadership uh, take hold. Sure. Yeah. And I always, when you say who's going to be the leader and you, everyone expects like a, someone that is going to be vocal. It's like, it's like, I don't know, like you think in your own life, if you know, the, the leaders are always the most vocal, like if you already have the infrastructure in place and the culture in place, the, the coaches that don't turn over year to year, I, I never worry too much, at least not with what's in place uh, with, with leadership. They, and they recruit for the most part, high, high character guys. So. Well, and it's lead by example, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and, and a little bit of the Bama model now where if you don't perform, there's a four star right behind you that will take your that will take your spot. And, uh, you know, a couple of our defensive tackles are already uh, I've already learned that. Let's move on to the offense here, Cody. Um, you know, you're hearing it 
uh, from all the media outlets. Um, things are looking kind of funky or out of sync. But given what we've seen in the past with these offenses getting off to a slow start and combined with how much we're actually beating people by, is there really any cause for concern right now? Not at all. Not because we've seen this blueprint before. I'm not saying it's all intentional by Tony Elliott. I would say a good percentage of it is intentional. Uh, we, we don't throw very much over the middle. And it, that was a little bit compounded by the fact that ETN, I think, was injured. So we abandoned the run game a little bit, in this, at least in this game. But no, ultimately, I think it's, it's all it's there's some cobwebs there have been there were there were with Deshaun Watson this defense will hit another level or I'm sorry this offense will hit another level at some point it's just a matter of what level they can get to that, that I think will ultimately define the this, the long-term success yeah I totally agree with you and I think looking long term I would expect this offense to end up being better than the one last year um, which is the one that shredded both the Notre Dame and Alabama defenses in the college football playoff. It's the same. It's the same guys as last year. Plus more. <laughs> like, plus, yeah, plus more. Um, I mean, all those weapons on the outside. I mean, you, I mean, yes. It, so Justin Ross struggled a little bit this game. Um, I will say flat out right now. I think it's hand and sound. T Higgins is your best wide receiver on the roster right now. Uh, Justin Ross had those drops. I don't wonder if his hands might have been wet in this game. Again, again, it was a little muggy inside that dome. But on his big catch downfield in the third quarter, he actually wipes his hands off on the back of his uh, on his towel that's coming out of the back of his pants mid route, um, and then went up and made the catch. So, you know, I'm not trying to make excuses, but that was just kind of an interesting thing that I saw, which makes me wonder if that was an issue. Yeah, I think he'll be just fine long-term. Um, but yeah, you mentioned Higgins. I, I said he's the best receiver on our team until proven otherwise. I, I think I said that before the, the year started. And it, uh, he, he still like manages to go out. He had seven receptions for 150 yards. Like He just he not only doesn't drop passes, he, like, he makes catches that not many players in America would make, and he makes them look easy. And that's part of, like I think, why he doesn't get quite the hype um, some guys make some spectacular catches, but he just makes a lot of things look easy. And yeah, maybe he's, I don't know if he's as good as Jerry Judy. They're two different types of receivers, but he's up there with the best in the country. And he's already proven that through three games. Yeah. So, I mean, Higgins had a great game. We mentioned Ross. I, I, a couple of the other plays on deep balls where wide receivers had position, um, but couldn't battle through contact. Uh, you know, some of them were the young guys, uh, Latson and Nagata. Some of it was Ross. Um, Powell had a couple drops, but you know Mike Williams was really great at this of really battling up through contact and just overpowering guys. So I don't wonder if that's a thing where it's just going to take a little bit more time for these guys to develop that that NFL type body um, to be able to go up and battle through that stuff. Because there were some catches out there to be made. Sure. Yeah. That, it's like that. Yeah. Mike Williams, New Hopkins. They, they use their body to and a little bit of timing to get that little, that little nudge um, and separation. But yeah, Latson, I, I see that from him. Like he's, he's going to be great in time, but I think he's, he's got to develop a little bit in the weight room and, and maybe in even though in really, really got the physical stature, it could be a little bit of just learning those nuances to take his game. But I, I think the book's still out on him. I, I mean, I think he's going to be great, but not much that we've seen so far. Um, is like kind of validated what we heard in practice. And that's not at all to say he won't get there. I just don't think there's been enough targets and uh, enough reps for him quite yet. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I, I think it's a very similar um, stage to where Justin Ross was last year at this point. 
Yeah, and I, I think he'll have okay. You see the schedule coming up. I think he's going to get a few more of those targets, um, and I think I think he'll be just fine by the end of the year. Yeah, I imagine a lot more garbage time, quote unquote, um, on our schedule this year. Um, so let's let's go to Trevor Lawrence. Any concern there about his interceptions? He now has five on the year, had four all of last year. Um, maybe some defense. The defenses are doing a better uh, job of disguising some coverages that he's not seeing. But some of these, he's throwing right into the chest of guys. Yeah, it, it's it's a lot of things. You mentioned like it's it's Syracuse's Super Bowl. It's it's yeah. It's the, you're getting every team's best shot. A lot of teams are watching a lot of film on you. Um, they, they, it's players get amped. Like you can if you're a you know not not such a good team and you can upset Clemson. That, I mean, for a lot of coaches that might. That might be enough to the you know define your season. So like, and maybe even keep your job. I'm not saying Dino Babers is uh, by any means in threat of losing his job, but I, that could apply in many other situations. Yeah, I, I don't, yeah, I think Dino's he's on the way out, but by his own volition. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think you're just getting your the other team's best shot in a lot of cases. The the defensive formations, as you said, that they're throwing at Lawrence. I think he's a little bit confused. I think, and, and is it like concerning? Long term, I think we'll be okay, but I, you know, I think I would have liked to see him be a little bit more accurate, a little bit more polished um, through three games in his sophomore season, especially after what you saw in the in the playoff last year. Yeah, I mean, but that being said, he had what three hundred ninety five yards uh, in this game, the most of his career, uh, had a ten point one average, so. I mean, those aren't bad numbers. That 10.1 average, I think, is higher um, than his his normal average. His completion percentage was below 60, which that could certainly stand to improve. But those are still good numbers to be putting up, obviously. Sure. And, and part of that, there's some yards after catch that, I mean, you can credit him with, you know, that's helped, that helped to inflate his stats. But ultimately, like, it's not alarming. It's just... There are some routes, some some things he doesn't seem to be processing, and and I guess he is a little bit flustered. Defensive coordinators are giving him some looks that he hasn't been able to quite dissect in real time. And hey, it's like I'd rather him get these get you know shake off the cobwebs and you know hit these hurdles now uh, against this competition than later in the season. This competition, the best that we're we have, <laughs> the <laughs> schedule, the ones that we were worried about, uh, you know, just a month ago. Yeah, and we came through it just fine. Um, but hey, man, he's using his legs really well. He's he's uh, he's racking up some big runs and some on some like crucial first down situations when we're back towards the goal line to really get um, you know chunk yardage. It was an eight yard run, I believe, and then I think at his longest run of the day. Um, for 25 when we were stuck down close to our own goal line. Yeah. I mean, that, and that's going to be an asset too. It's not just like, Oh, it's nice that he can do that. Like he, I think he's going to have to rely on that a little bit when we're playing in a potential playoff and, you know, again, they're shutting down the hole. And I think this is intentional shutting down the whole middle of the field. And I think that's, it, it's saving it for when it needs to be saved. And well, you already seen what Higgins can do against, against a and Like he's a perfect guy to be running it down the seam. And you haven't seen very much tight end action there either. And that's that's just, it's there. It's just why I put it on film right now. Well, and Syracuse is really trying to take the underneath stuff and really entice us to beat them over the top. So that's why you saw a lot of those 50-50 balls that were thrown up. Now, I know that in theory, the 50-50 ball, you expect to win 90 of those. And it's just your guys better than theirs go up and get the ball. But some of them seem a little careless at times. 
Um, like they could be a little bit better throws. I don't know, but um, again, if they were taking away the middle of the field, that just resulted in us attempting a lot of those passes, and we came down with some. Um, but I, I think we could definitely. There's a lot to be desired there, um, and I think the coaching staff is gonna is really gonna uh, pound that into the heads of the wide receivers. Sure. And, and part of that, like the underthrows that you mentioned, kind of by Lawrence, some that were a little bit off. I mean, minus the, the drops, the underthrows are a little bit worrisome. And again, I don't, th- I think he was overthrowing a little bit last year, Lawrence. Um, it, it, that is, you know, it's, it, it's odd that you had the, all the, all the off season to work on this with the same receivers and you're seeing, you know, kind of the timing off. That's, that's a little surprising, but again, still third game of the year and, I think these kind of these are the kind of things you can you can iron out over a, a long season. Absolutely, and I, I think another one of those things is the two minute offense. Um, there's a lot left on the field there. It hasn't been pretty at times. It hasn't been a, a efficient and effective. Um, you know, it wasn't so in this game. Uh, so I think that's just another area that needs to be improved. And I think over the course of the season, you're right. We've seen it before. We trust in this team. We know how much talent they have. They're going to get this part of it right. Um, you know, moving over to the run game, um, you mentioned that we seem to abandon the run after ETN got injured there. Um, I, I was surprised early in the game that there was nothing up the middle, even with some ex- inexperienced DTs for Syracuse. There did seem to be some room on the outside, though, um, which I wondered why maybe during the kind of middle part of the game we didn't do more of. Uh, that being said, ETN had some really tough runs early on fighting for yards, um, that kind of reckless abandon. Uh, that he has when he runs to go with that speed and the burst and the quickness is is really making him a complete back. Absolutely, and I, we we talked about it. I think two weeks ago, he looks a little bit different than he than he did last year. He's, he seemed to have taken a small step from freshman to sophomore, and again another another step from sophomore to junior year. And it, he does he fights. He, it's it's reckless abandon. And man, that the injury th- that was scary. That did not. I don't know how how it looked in 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 person, but it. In, in the replay, it was a little bit of like whiplash, and I, I absolutely thought it was concussion and or you know something with the neck or shoulder, and just the fact that he got it back up and was able to play that was whew, a huge sigh of relief. Yeah, you know, in purpose or in person, it was obviously very scary. You actually have less information being there at the game because you're not privy to all the the replays and the commentary um, from the guys in the booth. But I think one of the telling things that comes out of that is. I don't think, I think it's obvious that the coaches don't trust Lindsay Diction as much as they did Feaster and Choice from last year. Um, because even in these closer games, uh, you tend to see ETN in there more. And then also when he went down, that's about the time they started abandoning the run um, and opting to throw the ball downfield more. So I think if it's last year, you may see us stick with it a little bit more with Choice and Feaster, but I just don't think they're there with, uh, with, with Dixon yet. Agreed, and and some of the younger backs, it, it seems that uh, with with Dixon, he is not like you know he he gained some weight when he got here, but he's still on the slighter side, and I think I think you have to use him like in the case that Etienne were to to, to be put on the shelf or have to or suffer an injury for a, a prolonged period, I think you have to use him situationally along with one of these younger, bigger backs for for certain again situations like goal line goal line. Um, I think at one point we were on the one yard line. I think you have to use one of these bigger guys because you're with Etienne and, and, and Gallman before them, they could be every down backs, at least by college standards. I don't necessarily know that Lynn J Dixon is quite that player as talented as, as he is. 
Well, you notice the jumbo package this year seems to be T-Law uh, running it in as opposed to bringing any of your big defensive linemen into the backfield and trying to punch it in. He's actually he's getting a lot more carries around the goal line. And it, it's worked wonderfully so far. And, it it, and he's bigger too, so I think that added weight helps. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it was good to see um, Maluzi. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Yep. On a run, him and 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 Mikey Dukes, like I think they, I think I'm both. I'm pleasantly surprised with both of those guys. Not that I thought they would be bad by any means, just didn't think they would be uh, this good uh, this soon. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if either of them avoids the four game red shirt. Um, I, I think one of them's going to have to, giving a running back depth. I think ultimately they would love it if one of those guys could pass surpass Darian Rencher, but Darian Rencher still. Uh, seems to be the third guy out right at this point. Um, can we talk about Amari Rogers? I mean, how incredible to come back from the ACL injury uh, that he sustained in March. He's already back on the field six months later. Uh, started uh, or came back in the Texas A and M uh, A and M game. Uh, had two D's, uh, two touchdowns in this one, including that long catch and run where. Um, it looks like Syracuse screwed up uh, on the paint job on their field because <laughs> <laughs> his foot fit nicely into like a little indentation on the sideline. Um, but I mean, man, Amari, and then the he did a great job shedding a tackle on the backfield that had him nearly stopped for a loss on third down on that play. So just great to see. And then he had that touchdown in the first half. Had had, had a great day with what 120 something yards uh, receiving, 121. Great to see him back out there. Yeah, and I think he's playing it probably, it looks like about 80% from what I can see. I don't think he looks quite as confident on that knee yet, uh, despite that 121 yards, like you said. So he, he really is going to be an asset, too, is in that five position. Um, I think he's just he's, he's able to get open, and he's going to give you the closest thing to Hunter Renfro um, as, that we have on this roster right now. Yeah, I don't think Overton, you know, they did the Overton experiment. I think it's obviously a lot better with, with Amari Rogers out there. Um, you'll see TJ Chase in that position sometimes as well, spelling him. But uh, just fantastic to get him back on the field and just an amazing story for this kid and just um, props to how hard of a worker he is. And, you know, I'm really glad that he got to come back and only had to miss one game this season. It's amazing. Six months is just, I mean, it takes – it could take 18 months for some. Like that's it's unbelievable. I'd just probably be in a wheelchair the rest of my life. <laughs> By choice, of course. Let's wrap with special teams. Uh, not a lot to touch on here, except for the fact that Will Spires just keeps doing an amazing, uh, amazing job in the punting game. He averaged 40 and a half yards a punt in this game with a long of 53. I don't think anybody, any of us saw this coming this year based on what we've seen in the past couple of years out of Spires, but it's been tremendous in helping uh, flipping the field. I mean, it's okay. I, you know, Quacking Tiger did come out with this post game article and uh, he was, he was mentioning some of the, like the, the Syracuse punter, I believe is at 48 yards, a, a carry or a carry. I'm sorry, a punt. So, Okay, to be fair, they have to practice. They have to punt more. They get more practice at it. Um, and he's averaging like five more yards a punt than he was last year. And he's hitting some boomers. Um, so you're comparing him to last year's Will Spires and not a potential other punter that we could procure potentially. 
Well, and I imagine Clemson is punting a lot more when they're around the 50 or beyond where he's trying to land stuff inside the 20 a lot more than Syracuse has been with their struggling offense this year where they, where they are trying to kick it further. Sure, sure. Um, no, yeah, I, no gripes here. BT Potter. Looks like he has his head on straight. Glad to see that guy's got some leg. That's for sure. Man, those balls are hitting the top of the, the net at the top of the goalpost from like 40 yards out. Um, I mean, he did miss that 133 yarder off the left upright, but the snap looked high there. So not really going to hold that against him, but he hit all five of his extra points. Yeah, that, that kick can kick and not to mention all the touchbacks on kickoffs. They only returned one in this game. Yeah, and it's, that's a huge asset. And it, it, it kind of flies under the radar, but it's an important part of, of special teams. And, and ultimately, I, th- I don't think he's going to have another pressure kick the rest of the year. I don't even know if he's had one, a real pressure kick this year. But uh, that's something to pay attention to as we get into the championship mode. That is true. Seeing these guys, um, you know, kind of cast in a, in a different, more stressful moment, uh, really when the game game's on the line and in crunch time. You know, the team didn't experience a lot of that last year either, but they came through just fine in the playoffs. So um, just got to have confidence in them and the coaching staff based on what we've seen so far. Um, so, yeah, overall, nothing, uh, no big gripes about the, the, the kicking game, that's all you can ask for. Uh, re- not returning a lot, uh, which is fine. Just give the offense the ball. But I still imagine with all these flashy players, we're going to see one or two break out for a touchdown this year. I have to think so. I have to think so. Uh, Amari or, or Kendrick potentially. And Gata looks better than what we've, what we've had, I think, in the past. So looking around college football here, Cody, I want to start with, we talked about this a little bit earlier in the show, but who left on our regular season schedule do you think legitimately could be a threat? And you really have to go um, digging deep for something here because you're going to have to find a team that has the talent, but also the, the, the coordinators that can come up with unique schemes against Clemson to really expose you know, the very few weaknesses they have. So I'd be interested to, to hear from you who you think that might be. Yeah, I mean, it could be, um, it, it really could only be South Carolina at this point, but that, that is only under the, only if Holinsky really progresses and he looked really good against Bama. Did you see that game at all? I know you're, you're probably pre-gaming, tailgating. Uh, I saw... I I saw part of a quarter of that game out at a bar um, down there on Marshall Street in Syracuse. Um, so no, I, I didn't get to see it. I looked at the stat line; um, it looked pretty good. So I tend to agree with you there. Um, and and the games could be on the road in a hostile environment. South Carolina could be going for their sixth one of the season uh, to try to become bowl eligible. So yeah, that's going to be a high pressure game. You saw what they did against our defense last year. Um, although they could do nothing to stop our offense. Um, the other one I'll throw out there is Wake Forest. You know, Dave Clawson's always got good teams. They're 3-0 and on the year. Uh, haven't really beaten anybody of note. They did beat North Carolina, who was looking like a decent team. Um, but that's another one that I would peg as being a possibility. Um, and when does that one come? It doesn't come before. No, it comes right before the South Carolina game. Um, so... We do trap, have a trap game. Would you go so far as to say it's a trap game? <laughs> we do have, I mean, we do have the game is at home and there is a bye week right after that between in the South Carolina game. But, you know, I think, listen, I know we may be reaching for straws here, but 
got to be looking for something at that point of the season, this team and this defense uh, specifically is going to have a lot of tape on them. Dave Clompson's a great coach. Um, so I'm just throwing that out there as a possibility. Okay. Yeah. You really grasping at the straws. I mean, I really, I mean, I, I look at, I, well, I who's it going to be Charlotte? Like, what do you want me to do here? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, South Carolina, I'm going to go back to them because I'm looking at ESPN's matchup predictor, which you know is foolproof. Um, it's 87.4% chance of winning. That's probably the biggest, the lowest uh, pro- likelihood of, uh, of, of uh, I'm going to get everything mixed up, jumbled here. Um, the highest likelihood or probability that an opponent beats us. Holinsky looks really good. Their defense is not going to be able to stop our offense it's but it it would just take one of those really fluky nights they are playing again they're playing on the road i really like brian edwards we're recruiting him um as a safety he goes to south carolina because he wants to play receiver uh and he and he's he's had a really good career i'll give him a lot of credit he's such a tough-minded receiver wish he would have came to clemson to play safety because he looks he's a really he's really uh strong and plays really hard but ultimately that's helinski is better than jake bentley out of the box well, and we'll see, right? Opposing defenses need to get some tape on on him and what type of scheme uh, the South Carolina coaching staff goes with. So um, I would take that a little bit with a grain of salt until you see some more out of him. Um, Taven Feaster um, didn't get a lot of action in their game against Alabama, which was, was really kind of shocking to see. Well, he did get action, but he only had three and a point three yards a, a carry, which is a low average. And he, he didn't get a lot of action in the Charleston Southern game is what I meant to say. So that's two games here in a row. Um, he hasn't really shown anything for uh, South Carolina this year. Rico Dowdle's getting most of the carries. So um, Dowdle looked good. I mean, I, I think yeah. that was you know, watching that Dowdle showed like from what I saw, he looked like a better back than, than Feaster and, you know, Feaster for all of that talent coming out of high school, he just, I think he just, he lacked maybe the confidence or that's that, qu- that quick twitch um, out of the out of the gates, out of the box. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would say we could use him as our number three as our number three running back right now. But oh, absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah. Daddle had a great game against Bam, 102 yards on 8.5 yards of carry. Um, so you see the difference there, how much success he had versus what Feaster had. But I think I, right, I totally take him back as our um, as our third running back this year. Um, so keeping uh, with moving around college football. Um, you know, Georgia, LSU, Oklahoma, and Ohio state all steamrolled their opponents. Um, some of them I had never heard of before. Um, we'll say this, Joe Burrow had another good game passing for LSU. Are you starting to come around on him? Yeah, no, I, after watching the, the Texas game, I was around, um, just cause you can't, I don't think you can quite fake it with that sort of consistency play to play and doing, I mean, sure. Everyone can have a great game, but it wasn't. I think Tully mentioned this last week, and there was nothing fluky about it. It, it looked really – he looked very comfortable in the pocket, and he's added some things. Um, I think – I mean, that could be a really good team. It, and I needed, to, I needed to see it first, and there's a little bit more that they have to prove to, to say, like, yeah, this is a playoff team, but I think they're knocking. Yeah, and credit to Ed Orgeron for uh, uh, changing that kind of offensive philosophy there and really turning around what in recent years just has been a stagnant offense – um, on a team that relied heavily on its defense. Yeah, now they can do a little bit of both. Um, so that, that's going to be a good team. The other team I've seen three weeks in a row now against really bad competition, 
Um, but I like to say, that I think we're pretty much experts now at watching really good championship teams play really bad competition. Um, so we know what to look for is Ohio state. And again, you, there's only so much you can take, but the things that I see play to play from Justin Fields, uh, I think he's going to be a good one. I don't know if he's going to be a great one, but I think he could be really good. And that that's enough to put them in that playoff contention seat. Yeah, I'm on the fence. I'm not sure if he's going to be the real deal yet, but when when I say the real deal, that doesn't mean that he can't be a really good college football quarterback, so we'll see where that goes. Jalen Hurts looked really good again this week, this time against UCLA. I know UCLA uh, barely has a, a, a heartbeat there. With uh, I'm surprised Chip Kelly hasn't um, is struggling as much as he has, but um, he had almost 300 yards and three touchdowns through the air, plus 150 yards and a touchdown rushing, rushing in that game. Um, and their defense only gave up 14 points, which I would, that's the thing that I would point out because I don't think anybody questions their offense, um, especially now with Jalen Hurts uh, manning the, the quarterback position. But seeing the defense give up only 14 points was somewhat surprising. Yeah, is, that, is that Chip Kelly's retirement? Um, is it already started? Um, he's out there. Year? Yeah, he's out there on the beach um, in L.A. Uh, just kind of racking up that retirement money. His family yes. probably has a... A uh, nice little house, sunny house, enjoying life out there. Beverly um, Hills, yeah, yeah, yeah. Six million a year. I don't blame him, but yeah, that is that is surprising. Oklahoma. I mean, I, I would say that they're probably a little bit better than I thought they would be this year. That I still don't know that they're a a legit championship contender. Lincoln Riley is the real deal, though. Like he's he is the real deal. He's he's. Murray and, and and Mayfield have a lot uh, a lot of reasons to uh, to thank him. Yeah, I'll be interested to see that if a guy like Lincoln Riley jumps to the NFL, perhaps at the end of this season, or maybe he needs a little bit longer. But you know, you start to talk about Dino Babers. He's set up, I think, next for a really big time job. And um, you know, he uh, coached under Art Bryles at Baylor, so he's familiar with that conference. So. Just something to watch there. Sure, sure, yeah. Um, let's see, anyone else? So I, you mentioned Georgia. I always like to think of the contenders, and let's say it's a little bit longer of a list this year, it seems. Yeah, I will say Ian Book uh, bounced back against, uh, he had a huge day passing against New Mexico, um, counting for six TDs total. But again, they're Notre Dame. We saw what they are made of last year. Um, Auburn had almost 500 rushing yards and a blowout of Kent State. But again, talk about the strength of the opponent there. Um, Florida needs to drop out of the top 10 squeaking by Kentucky. Right. Um, and the only reason it was an eight point game is because as they were trying to kill the clock at the end, uh, the running back got free for a touchdown. Um, so get, get them out of there. You saw it against Miami. Miami's not a great football team. Get them out of there. Uh, Penn state won a tight one against Pitt. That was uh, kind of intriguing for me to see. Um, you know, Pitt, has uh, number 15 UCF at home next week. So could Pitt be the real deal? They, we did just see him in the ACC championship game last year. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not so sold. Uh, I mean, redeal for mediocre ACC team, not named Clemson. <laughs> sure, sure. It, you know, really what it seems like is if you're not in that top tier, um, and I don't know what number that stops at, maybe it's the seven or six. Really, the difference between the number 10 team and the 25 team, it, it, it's, it's a smaller difference than the difference between the eight team and the one team, if that makes sense. It, it's, 
You could, yeah. you could put a number. Uh, it doesn't matter the number. Florida could be the 30th best team. They could be the ninth best team. But you're right. They shouldn't. I don't think they should be the ninth best team based off their body of work. Um, Texas A&M blew out Lamar. So, Kelamon got back on the right foot. Like you, you said earlier, that's kind of the barometer for us. We'll see where that goes. Um, looking across the ACC, Virginia uh, came back to beat uh, Florida State 31-24. to Florida State blew another late game lead. It's it's not looking good down there in Florida State. Yeah, the the dumpster fire of Tallahassee and Knoxville. Those are the ones I've been watching, and really in Knoxville, I'm really rooting against them. I'm not into like just into the hate sort of thing, but after everything that happened with the coaching hire or the coaching hire attempts, I'm kind of just rooting against them. I've rooted against them since they fired Phil Fulmer. I, I liked him as a coach, and I'm kind of glad nothing good has happened to them since then. Um, although he is back. Uh, is it the AD there? Yes, he is. Yep. Um, so maybe he should put himself back in charge of the football team. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if he was a, maybe he's a better uh, head coach than he is an AD, because if I was him, I'd have made that decision by now. Yeah, he's probably seeing. Uh, uh, Mac, uh, Mac Brown have all the success. He's like, I think I could do it too. Um, so it's, it's all part of the plan. It's, it's, it's well, been in the work this well, whole time. Temper that excitement on Mac Brown because Wake did beat them over the weekend. But let's also talk about how bad the rest of the ACC is. KU doubled up Boston College. West Virginia blew out NC State. West Virginia lost to Missouri 38-7 to the, the week prior. Virginia Tech barely squeaked one out, having to come behind against Foreman. Or Furman, sorry, beat them by seven, and the Citadel beat Georgia Tech by three. Whew. Uh, like, the ACC sucks. You know what? Not going to apologize about that. Not going to apologize about how weak our schedule is. We're taking care of business, but man, that is yeah. ugly. It's like, you know, if you're Clemson, do you, you and another handful of teams, you know, leave the conference together? But I mean, who would you? Who would your first pick be? Even if you wanted to leave the conference, like who's your ally? The problem is, you know, you're not just taking one football program. You're taking all the other schools' programs and what conferences they compete in. You have to think about travel for those smaller programs. I don't know if you just have a separate football conference and you do other conferences. I know, like South Carolina women's soccer competes in like or South Carolina soccer competes in like Conference USA or something. Um, so I don't know. I don't know how that works, but um, it's it's not it's not good. Sure. Um, <laughs> you know, one day we're going to revisit the Clemson of the Big Twelve conversation and the bit of revisionist history. We don't have to do that right now. Um, but and things have gone out, gone just splendid since 2012 for Clemson. But uh, you know, playing playing Texas, playing. Oklahoma every year wouldn't be so bad. It'd, it'd be a hell of a lot more exciting than what we're seeing now, but um, for the time being, we'll have to wait to crush them in the playoffs. Um, looking at a few Cle- uh, former Clemson quarterbacks, Missouri beat Southeast Missouri State, blew them out this weekend. Kelly Bryant um, had a good game uh, passing. He's only uh, He had only six rushing yards on two carries and only averaging 1.1 yards a carry on the season. So that's something that's is something to take note of. I think he probably went into that football program, um, you know, letting them know, hey, I'm here to try to audition for an NFL job. Is that part of the plan? If I come here to be able to throw more, I will say his accuracy has been a lot better. 
Um, I still think he has a little hitch in his throw and he doesn't get the balls out fast enough. But surprised to see that he's not running more than it is. Maybe that's important due to how bad Missouri's offensive line is. I don't know. Yeah, well, they're playing South Carolina next week, so that'll be yeah. that'll be one to tune into. Yeah, that'll be a fun one. Um, yeah. Hunter Johnson kind of continues to struggle at, at Northwestern. He had a decent game over the weekend. Um, had a couple of TDs, one passing, one rushing. Um, they were just playing UNLV. Uh, but Zarek Cooper, man, he continues to do well. Jacksonville State. They improved to two and one on, on on the year this week, and he's consistently putting up really good numbers. Um, albeit in an FCS conference. Yeah, I mean, he had a lot of talent. Um, I'm definitely not surprised. And, you know, one game I'm going to be watching to kind of flip the page, Notre Dame, Georgia. That's the yep. big one. That is the big one. Um, because, you know, I haven't been able to watch Georgia, and you're always you're waiting for them, a team like, you know, Georgia or these elites to play someone where you have that, that barometer. And... I think Georgia's get the better team, but I, I, think, I haven't quite I haven't quite seen it from Fromm yet this year. I think Georgia beats Notre Dame by four scores. Uh, I think it's maybe similar to what Clemson's Ooh. doing and kind of holding some things back. Um, that that game's in Athens. I don't think Notre Dame's as good as their number seven ranking. Notre Dame fans don't think they're as good as their number <laughs> seven ranking. Um, I know my best friend is one. Um, you know uh, some other really great games this weekend: Auburn at Texas A and M. So, again, we'll get to see what Texas A&M is made of. Uh, Michigan at Wisconsin, looking forward to seeing Michigan get that loss and get knocked out of the college football playoff talk early in the season. <laughs> yeah, that's Tully's favorite team, uh, the Wisconsin Badgers. Yeah. You know, they're always good for an upset or two throughout the year. Yeah, and this one, I, I bet I right, – so they're the 13 team. Michigan's ranked 11. It's at Wisconsin. Let's see who's favored. Good point. Let's see yep. if there's uh, much faith in, uh, in in Jim Harbaugh and his offense there in Michigan. Vegas doesn't like that, you know, that deal for Michigan. So I'm going to side with Vegas, and I think I think Wisconsin wins. Well, you know, you know my take on that situation. I got Wisconsin too. Um, so that's about it for the big games. You know, there hasn't been a lot of high caliber, multiple high caliber matchups on the college football season so far. I think in part that has to do with the the two buys. Uh, built into the schedule this year, but it's looking like it's going to be a fun weekend of college football. After a very lackluster weekend, I would say. So, yeah, looking looking forward to it. My weekend was great. So that wraps it up for the show, everyone. We appreciate everybody listening. Uh, we'll be back with you next week with a recap of the Charlotte game. Uh, one of the benefits of the ACC Network, uh, one of the very few, is that we get a night game because of it. Normally, that would be a 12 p.m. start, which is hell for us here on the West Coast. That's a 9 a.m. start. So uh, looking forward to that one. Um, as always, you can keep up with us on Facebook and Twitter at Clemson Podcast. You can reach out to us at ClemsonPodcast at gmail.com. And if you have some time, please go over and leave us an iTunes review. And finally, be sure to subscribe to us to whichever podcasting app you prefer so that when our content goes live you immediately get it pushed to your phone uh, so that's all for now again appreciate everybody listening and until next time and as always go tigers sometimes how's it going man how's uh, how's syracuse how you feeling
detox? Um, yeah, you know, I got in at 2.30 last night. Was it fun? I mean, was, how, how was Montreal? It was fantastic, man. It's, it's a wonderful place. I've heard heard good things. I won't ask you. I, I won't. I, I won't ask about Syracuse. You can tell me over the pod. Yeah. Um, no, I would highly recommend Montreal. I would go back. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. That's that's all I have to say um, while we're recording, at least. 